Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. Today, we are talking about historical fiction, and we have done a couple other episodes where we've sort of zeroed in on a particular genre, um, but we haven't talked about this one yet, and we're excited to kind of dive into what it is, what it looks like, um, yeah, just the, the joy of getting to read about historical settings and historical people and um, whether they're made up or based on truth. Um, I know this is a really... This is one of Laura's, it's a genre she's writing in and it's one of her favorites. So Laura, yeah. I'll let you uh, jump in and give us the definition. Here. It is one of my favorites and I, I love what you can do with it and how even books that we like quantify under different genres can even have that historical element as well to it. But yeah. the general definition is that it's set in the past and the story conforms to the norms of the day. And, it, and that setting is also usually integral part, to yeah. the story like it 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 couldn't take place in another place and have the same yeah. impact um but it's also set in a real place during a culturally reg- recognizable time usually there's details in the story that can be a mix of actual events but also can be um made up to fill in gaps. Mm. Sometimes it's just literally like there's one event that's yeah. historical and everything else is made up. Yes. And and you can have characters who are either pure fiction or they can be historical. You can have people who are historical figures make little cameos. There's just a lot of fun things you can do with it. Yeah. And there's so many subgenres connected with it too, where you have so many different mashups and directions you can go. Yeah. That is one of the thing with like broader genres like this. There's just so much variety. Like, so even if you think like, like even when going into this, I was like, I don't really read a lot of historical fiction. And then I like thought through it more and I was like, yeah, I actually do. It's just a very specific subgenre of historical fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly historical romance. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which we will definitely touch on in, uh, in the course of the, the conversation. And that's, it is funny how I had the same, I really, when I started writing historical fiction and thinking about historical fiction, I had the same kind of feeling about it too, that I'm like, well, what do I read in it? And then all of a sudden, all these things came up. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, like Charles Dickens' yeah. Tale of Two Cities, that's historical. You have Count of Monte Cristo, that's historical. You have, you know, the Iliad, the Odyssey, you have Shakespeare's histories. There's so many things that actually are historical that we don't think about, um, right? And I've, I've always been kind of drawn to things that kind of look at something from different lenses and that Mm. seems to be like what historical can do and yes it can also it can tell the truth but it also can rewrite history which is obviously dangerous but I think it has benefits too like when you can rewrite things in a in a more truthful way or in a way that challenges assumptions yeah absolutely and and maybe 
goes back in and takes that kind of digging into what was happening mm-hmm. and there's there's a trope we'll be talking about later where it's like someone is ahead of their time and I think that there's something very valuable because there were people who were ahead of their time who lived in those times and challenged you know norms but it's also good to remind ourselves of like the imperfections of (laughs) the setting and of sometimes we look back at history and we almost like gloss over the difficult parts and I love it when they actually challenge those things when they step back in and say wait why are we doing this and why are we why did this happen um and I think that's it's almost endlessly fascinating you can Mm -hmm. do so many things and then you know when you have historical fantasy you can throw magic and all this fun stuff in with it too (laughs) (laughs) so as a kind of wide-ranging genre, there's so many places it can go. And I think let's Do you want to talk touch about on some of those subgenres. Yeah, yeah, like those subgenres. And some of them we've actually talked about on the podcast, which surprised me mm-hmm. um, as I was going back through. So biographical historical fiction, um, which Bloodwater Paint that we've um that we read by John Reed McCullough, and it's on um the artist Artemisia Gentilecci, yeah. um, the I remember when by Philippa Gregory. I read that, like, Bloodwater Paint, being, like, getting, like, yeah. halfway through and being, like, wait, did this really happen? And going and looking it up because I was so yes. intrigued and curious and being so surprised, like, that it happened. And, like, pretty, she stuck pretty close to the story or to the, what happened. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and the fact that the documentation was kind of firsthand. Yeah. And so like the trial records for this, this artist who basically she, she brought her rapist to trial, although it had to be her father who did right. all of the, those transcripts still exist and you can just read them. They're online. Yeah. I've, I've actually read some yeah. of it afterwards after reading the book. And it's, it's fascinating what happened. It's fascinating her story. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was tortured during the trial to prove that she was telling the truth. And it's so horrifying. (laughs) Right. I think it shows the benefit of like what historic fiction can do because it can open your eyes to events and, and moments or, you know, lives that you wouldn't have uh, known about before or understood before. Absolutely. And, and obviously, even with biographical historical fiction, people take license. And that's with, with historical fiction, you have to take some license, because we're still talking about fiction, you weren't there, you don't have the firsthand account. And so it can't be really a documentary, but being able to tell that story with so much truth in it from yeah. what happened um, has so much power. Yeah. Um, and and there's, I think, even taking lenses to some of these people that we see in a very specific way mm-hmm. in maybe their public persona, but a biographical history can actually show a lot more of mm-hmm. what was going on behind the scenes, not yeah. just what we're told in kind of this superficial setting. Um, So I I just found that fascinating, even that we'd already talked about one, (laughs) which was cool. Um, 
And then historical mysteries and thrillers. Um, we, we've talked about Sherry Thomas's A Study in Scarlet Women. Stalking yeah, uh, right. Jack the Ripper is another ex- uh, example. There's many. I mean, Stephen King even has one on, I think, the Kennedy assassination. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different ways that you know historical mysteries go in and some of them can also be mashups as well that you can kind of or thrillers um there you can go into different things and uh, also mexican gothic technically i mean it might be more good point right but also could roll up into thriller um and also in historical fantasy which is kind of (laughs) yeah it's funny how some of these kind of bridge multiple genres yeah even as I was looking at them on Goodreads it's like they're they're put here and then they're put here so it's kind of like oh and yes there's the historical element that (laughs) kind of sits with them too um historical series and epics so that would be things like um the pillar of pillars of our series by uh, Ken Follet um the thorn birds uh, roots by Alex Haley anything that spans kind of multiple m- multiple um possibly centuries possibly just decades it's it's they're usually quite they tell a significant story over multiple um yeah. books um historical romance like we yes. talked about <laughs> anything anything that's romance it takes place in a historical setting from Outlander to Bridgerton to anything else (laughs) fits within this (laughs) um historical adventure which like I said the Count of Monte Cristo is one um the Scarlet Pimpernel which is actually one of (laughs) it's a weird favorite of mine um it's a very strange book but it takes place during the um the reign of terror in France mm. and you have some a kind of British uh lord who saves people from the guillotine oh. and his wife is French and there's like this it's almost like this weird they have this distrust for each other because one thinks the other is spying on the other like they're oh. they're both they're both um shut off from each other it's a very fascinating it's it's almost it feels like spy craft um but it was done like the beginning of the 1900s it's very funny and weird yeah i haven't read that um, yeah i I would highly recommend it but i'm i don't know if it's one that i read so early like it 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 does have it is more classical in its feel and so it's it's one that i'm like I don't know if I like it because I read it early and it like had that huge impact or if it's really good, but I've read it multiple times since then. And I just, I find it kind of an interesting, the lead female character, Marguerite is so fascinating um, Mm -hmm. because she was a free woman in France and she's written that way um, Mm -hmm. very unapologetically. So, and I liked, I liked that type of very strong character. Mm And, and then historical fantasy, um, anything that really kind of involves that speculative type of element, um, which Kindred is actually yeah, one. I was just thinking um, about Kindred. Yeah, I, it, was, it was actually, as I was 
prepping, I was doing some thinking of like, have I read any? Um, and I'm sure I've read others, but it was the one that actually came into my mind. Um, yeah. And that uses the setting so well, yeah. but while also using kind of these dual timelines to create different types of tension and different types of conflict. And I just, I, I think she uses that historical setting, um, Octavia Butler does uh, so well. Yes. Yeah. It's a fabulous book. I imagine that a lot of time travel books kind of fall in that category then of like historical fantasy, historical sci-fi or something like that. Absolutely. Like anything that kind of would go back in that time frame where it's kind of yeah. been set. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we get into like weird gray areas where you're like, well, if sure. the setting isn't really necessary, is that really historical? But I, I think it almost, it doesn't matter. Like in, mm. in some ways, like if it's in the past, I think really the setting has some, yeah. you know, we could debate <laughs> it, but How I think it has. It? Yeah. And, and then basically the, the alternative to historical. So since this is any story that basically takes place in the past and where the past and the setting is significant um, would be just period fiction. That's, we could call it anything that's, that took place and is written within the time it's set. Um, uh, and is that, that where you put like books really... like, sorry, <laughs> is that where you yeah. put books like Daisy Jones and the Six or like, um, it came up as historical fiction. Okay. So I, I think that if the setting is different than the time in which it's written, uh-huh. I think it would be considered historical. Yeah. And, and that's, okay. that's where I, th- I think. That's kind of you know, what I was thinking, but it didn't sort of like, fall in some of the subgenres that you're talking about. And so I was like, I don't know where I put this book. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's also just historical fiction yeah. that it kind of just rolls up to um, that it may not be part of the subgenres. It may just be historical fiction that it, it doesn't have any of these other elements. It just takes place in the setting and it's a piece of fiction. Maybe it could be literary or non-literary and then, or YA or not. Uh Um, But it would just be kind of, under the bigger umbrella rather than the subheadings underneath it. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I don't know if how that would then be, you know, is that considered to be like just adult fiction? Cause if it is, I think it would be historical Historical, fiction just under that heading, but they might not market it that way because it doesn't, appeal mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. like historical fiction yeah. fans well I think so when most people think historical is. fiction yeah. they think something much farther back in the past than like yeah than that time frame so yeah absolutely but but really I mean anything that takes place in that kind of past that's not not now yeah. um the the current period um would kind of fall underneath that if it's if the setting's significant yeah. um which I found I found that to be interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> even even if it's not applied, it it could loosely be considered historical yeah. fiction. And within like all of the what is significant and what do we look at 
what kind of do we then include in those type of books? Usually there's social norms, manners, yeah. customs, traditions that might be different. So yeah. kind of being aware of those things, usually that's where a lot of the research comes in is <laughs> it's trying to get those right and accurate. Usually even with something that is a little more out there, like a speculative or a fantasy, mm -hmm. they try to get at least the grounding of it right yeah. before they add in the other elements, uh, making sure that people talk the way that they normally would within that setting and that time, dress the way they would, um, mm -hmm. that characters act in a way that makes sense um, rather than being completely like um, you know, that they're not anachronistic within their world, that yeah. they don't stick out and you're like, wait, this doesn't feel authentic to the time. Um, and, and usually they can use conflicts based on things that actually have happened. Some, yeah. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's just the setting and then they go off and do their own thing. Um, but there's a lot of fun play that can be done mm. with that. Um, yeah. Even with kind of playing around with when you know your readers are reading from a different lens, you can kind of play with what's Contrast. there. You can have yeah. them use, yeah. And you can even have them use old um, phrases that might mean something else now and you can play with that. Or you can create dramatic irony when we know that something is coming historically yeah. that like if, you know, say that they're getting on the Titanic. You have all of your characters okay. not knowing what's coming, but you have all your readers. So there's a lot of play you can do, a lot of tension you can create just mm -hmm. from picking something within a specific time frame, within, you know, knowing that a conflict is coming. If you choose to set something yeah. um, where you know that a catastrophe is about to happen, you kind of get all that natural tension from the situation in, yeah. in addition to what you create yourself. Yeah, that's great. I hadn't really thought of historical fiction in that way, but you're right. There's a lot of opportunity to kind of highlight the present by focusing on the social norms and things in the past. And then there's a lot of opportunity as writers to be able to to portray information to your reader without having to portray information to your reader, like, cause they would yes. already know, like there's common knowledge associated with certain events that you don't then have to put on the page because the reader already knows it. Yeah. That's interesting. Yes. Well, and it's interesting how I think if we watch TV shows, um, sometimes they actually lean into those things if they're mm -hmm. set in a period or if they're, um, you know, like Dr. Who. <laughs> um, it's fun to see how they use, Dr. Who especially uses very specific events to kind of create those interesting things um, where you, you know, something's coming or you have a very specific understanding and then, and then it, it, it kind of gives that added um concern or like will they get out um yeah to it as well mm -hmm. yeah I think it's been like even just going through and looking at this it's been interesting to see also like the play of historical fiction and like based on real events versus like inspired uh -huh. by real events and uh -huh. kind of the weird the difference um, between the two 
Yeah, it's really vague. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I looked up those definitions and I've always been curious about it because I I write from the side of inspired by true events. I'm I'm not going for something that is completely, you know, it definitely takes creative license. It definitely is fictional. Um, But based on true events usually tries to keep it within not making up events, you might have like a different, like you might increase things for drama a little bit. Um, You might change the ending, but it tries to keep the story intact um, for the most part. Yeah. Inspired by true events is just a lot more open. It's about like an event or person or time frame that inspires an original narrative Mm -hmm. where you can take creative and artistic license. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of, there was this movie that came out last year um, called The Woman King. Um, it's, it's a movie by, with Viola Davis and it was inspired by true events. And there was this whole like uproar about whether or not it was factual. Huh. And it was interesting to me to look at it that way like this weird uproar about a movie that is fictional like obviously <laughs> like, like that they're they're almost like looking at it from this perspective of it has to be hmm. factual and if it's not then it doesn't have value and hmm. I I found that one fascinating a little angry. me think of why <laughs> yeah yeah well yes because I think there was also many reasons why it was applied to this movie and not not to the many movies that have come before especially like gladiator which i think is a very similar story film similar level of inspired by and i just found it fascinating that the going after a story and saying oh it's not it's not, uh, you know, factual enough, like yeah. as if there is a bar yeah. that we need to pass. Right. And Viola Davis in an interview said, you know, we have to take creative license. We have to take artistic license. And I, I loved that because she's right. Like mm-hmm. that these stories are always done with artistic creative license. Yeah. Sometimes they are written to rewrite history and sometimes they're just written because this is all the history we have right and this is the story we can tell like it yeah. just I I it was it was frustrating from a historical writer perspective because I don't think that anyone will ever be able to make make whatever bar <laughs> of historical accuracy was being applied to the film. And, and two, like, I think it makes us really think about wh- what are these stories here for? Like, mm. why are they here? Yeah. Are, are they here to be like, to teach us history, which I would argue uh, not really. Like they are. <laughs> I think they might open to, our eyes to, to pieces yeah. of history that we might not know or understand, and kind yeah. of give us some curiosity about history that we can go then yeah. dig into more. But you're right; that's not why they're here. They're not history books. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it. I think separating historical mm-hmm. stories from that 
that it has to be factual and it has to teach us history, like makes it then able to do what it needs to do, which I think is to tell the, to tell the truth, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to do it with everything that's factual. And and I, I love that, too, that historical fiction can and definitely does make you interested in what's yeah. happened, situations. Again, hopefully, whoever's writing it has done their due diligence, <laughs> has done at least some research, um, which is interesting. Some I've heard historical fiction writers say that what they do every time they write one is they create a bibliography and it's part of their books. And I don't I don't see that in every historical Mm. book of all sorts but I think knowing that sometimes you can see what the work was done yeah I know uh Sherry Thomas often like includes something about her research um when she she does that but I think remembering that it's these are fictional books they're here to tell us the truth of the human experience um and we can enjoy them as such like they don't have to do more than Yes, absolutely. And you're right. I think that's a really good point that it's to tell the truth about the human experience, not necessarily the event or, you know, like, and the bar will move, like whether it's super close to the event and what happened or whether it's farther away or more takes more creative license. But the, the point of the story is the human experience. And when we can put that human experience into a different setting or a different time period or take an event um, and wrap it around that event, we have opportunities that we don't have when it's in the current setting because we can highlight things that we aren't able to highlight in a contemporary setting. So, well, this has been really fun. We are gonna continue talking more about historic romance as we move through the next few weeks. And we're excited to dig into that more, but thank you for joining us. We hope that you keep reading, keep writing and keep putting your work out into the world.